White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 765. We welcome you to Jordan Hare Stadium for tonight's game. Van and John went to the land of pork and torchies and came back with a big win. The AU Wishbone is next. Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. Welcome to the AU Wishbone, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment and by people like you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family. I haven't done this one in a long time. Our Patreon.com family, and I'm doing it this way because I also want to mention our Kickstarter family that came through in a big way for us this week. we got another group to thank. I am Van Allen Plexico, and I am joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, we got... Uh, we had a big week. Auburn had a big win. You and I got to go out to Arkansas and witness it. And then we had the end of our Kickstarter for our new Auburn book, and we're getting ready to ship those out. This was quite the whirlwind the last few days. Wins, wins, wins. That's what we've experienced. Sir, that's the, that's, that's the, what I'm talking about. Recruiting, basketball, oh. book, the road trip, the food, the oh, game. Wins, 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 wins. Yeah, every bit of that's the common thread that weaves through this tapestry that was our last few days is is, is winning, winning, winning. So um, yeah, I mean, let's get right into it then. So we had a really, really good week, and a lot, a lot of good things happened, and so. It's the Auburn Fun Meter, and there's not many fun meters left in this football season, but the fun meter seems to be going in the right direction. So where is your, on a scale of 0 to 10, where would you place your Auburn fun meter after the last few days? <laughs> great road trip. Yep. Great football win, basketball mm. win, recruiting mm. flips. Nine and a half. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, you, you, you can't get it up there to blowing out Saban in the Iron Bowl 10, right? I mean, kick six, yeah, you know, look, that's... That, that was, yeah, that was an 11, both of yeah, those things. Fair, yeah. I'm with you. No, this has been a really, really good Auburn fun week in so many ways. I'm so happy. A uh, lot, lot of big things ahead, a lot of work ahead with all that, but absolutely a really good, really good um, last few days to be an Auburn fan. We're going to look at the Arkansas game, and we'll look ahead to New Mexico State briefly among other things, um, but the whole Arkansas trip, let's talk about the Arkansas game, the Arkansas trip, everything else that's going on right now. 48 to 10. I think that I think I must have said to you and my wife and the people in front of us and anybody that would listen about 16 times, I did not see that coming. Now, we saw a win coming. And we went on and did our special preview video from the Arkansas, like a conference room in the Arkansas administration, one of their buildings, about how we thought it would be around 24, 21, 23, 20, something like that. It did not, in fact, turn out to be that way. We did win, but not the way you and I expected it. Neither team finished in the 20s. No, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, and one needed a miracle to get a double digit, to get to double digits. And by miracle, I mean another Peyton, another uh, Peyton Thorn ill-advised pass, maybe, 
Um, but uh, 48, I mean, how in the world did that even happen? Uh, do we talk, let's talk about the trip first, then we'll come back to the game. Let's do it. I think we, we're going to talk about the game a lot. Um, yeah. It was a great trip. If you've not been to Arkansas, it's a, the Ozarks are beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the country, and the people were very friendly. I, the people sitting in the section with us, I thought were some of the friendliest fans I've ever sat with. And yes. They were opposing fans from another team. I, and some of it was, I think they knew their team wasn't very good and they were kind of beaten down in that way. But also, I think they were just friendly people. So, Yeah, I had a note right here. The good Arkansas fans right in front of us. We talked to In fact, I noted somebody asked me, why didn't you ever move down when there were so many empty seats? And I thought, and I said, well, because at the time I didn't even think about it, but it's partly because I was enjoying having them in front of us and didn't want to leave. And plus there was a whole bunch of us and having to coordinate that would have been a nightmare. So we just kind of sat there in this empty section just by ourselves and watched the whole, we had our own section to ourselves, nobody around us except that one little group in front of us. It was pretty funny. And, um, but, uh, I honestly, I think, and it, now I have to say it helped that my older daughter, her boyfriend, Okay, I, I know I have to turn a few turns here. My older daughter has a boyfriend. His parents work at the university. They just in the last few months got jobs there, and they've already pretty well got it all down. I was really amazed at how much they, how how knowledgeable they already were of everything, having not been there that long. But they were they were kind of leading us around the whole weekend, the whole day of the game. They sat with us. They you know took us on a kind of a tour around the campus. And they let us record our videos in a con- in a really nice conference room in a brand new, nice, swanky building with a beautiful view out the out the back windows of the of the hills. And, and so, I want to say thanks to them, and I really appreciated that. And also, I just you know we've been to a lot of away games. We've been to a lot of other campuses, both SEC and non-SEC, around the South and around the country. And that is as nice and pretty of a campus with cool stuff kind of going on around it as as really any I can think of. I mean, I, I didn't expect that. No, I didn't either. It, I went to Penn State a couple of years. So it reminds me a lot of the Penn State campus with the way they have the wide sidewalks and the trees and the buildings spaced out the way they did, but not they preserved a lot of green space, mm-hmm. um, which I, again, Auburn has not done as good a job of, and uh, but and there's some the buildings don't have a consistent theme, right? They're all kind of there's a little bit of differences, but it is a very uh, beautiful campus, and it's also very hilly. But the campus yeah. is you know kind of built into it and designed with that in mind. It, it was mm-hmm. a beautiful campus. I agree. I think it's very nice. I'll put it this way: so like it had the. You know, architecturally, maybe it felt more like Auburn than some, and certainly their mm-hmm. ma- their old main building is a lot like Sanford Hall. Everybody knows that, kind of the same little design. But like when we went to Texas A and M, it felt like most of that campus was built in the last two years, and everything was just a giant edifice. Yes, you know, like a giant <laughs> stone, one edifice. giant edifice after another. Yeah. And you wouldn't know what any of them were. Just giant stone. It looked like if you took the Great Pyramid of Giza and cloned it 50 times and made them square instead of triangular, that's what that's what College Station looked like. It, it Whatever personality it had was just trying to overawe you and make you feel small. Like, look how big we are. Look how much money we spend. And that's fine for them. 
But this was like the polar opposite of that. It was still big, but it was, and it was also interesting that it was, it was very hilly. Mm-hmm. It's like rising and falling hills. And so, like, I was having, I was, I, you need to do some cardio before you walk around say, that campus. If you're a student, if you're a student on that campus, you have the, the calves. Yeah. You, you uh, go up and down those hills every day. You're going to, you could be a pretty good, pretty good place. Like, you know, the hill that goes down to the football stadium, right? The Sanford Hall is kind of at the highest point in Auburn, and Jordan-Hare is at one of the lowest. And between Jordan-Hare and Sanford Hall is, is kind of an incline. This was way beyond that. This was like turning that like 20 more degrees up. You know what I mean? It, it was, and in between there, another hole up and down. So yeah, it was a lot of up More and than down. one. Yes, more than one. That's right. But but I tell you what, I mean, we did visit at the right time because the trees were all turning different colors and everything, and they're all over campus. The whole campus was like this red and green and mm-hmm. orange, you know, just incredible thing. It, it reminded me in a little bit of like Gatlinburg, like if you put a university in the middle of Gatlinburg. Maybe it's not in the... Not the giant it, it, mountains, but the hills. Yeah. yeah. No, it's in the hill. It is 100% in the hills. Yeah. That's it. Um, all right. The stadium, since we're talking about the campus and the look and everything, yeah. what did you think about it? I thought it was nice. It's got mm-hmm. one kind of open corner and the others are up and it's got kind of upper decks on the two sides. And then on the, you know, one end, it's got a building that the, the that kind of uh, theme where the athletic offices and administration are in a building and there's, See, you know, some luxury seats on the back of it, and on top of it, there's like a luxury pavilion area. Two, on the they other, had two pavilions. Two yeah, that was pavilions. interesting. And at the other end, there's a, a pavilion way on the top where the scoreboard was. You could get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought both of those were interesting. Uh, I thought that was interesting, smart use of space. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of chair back seats. You know, uh, and some. I don't think they have quite as many luxury boxes as we do, but a lot of chair back seats, especially in the like the end zones and stuff. So yeah, um, like permanent, but, like permanently built in. And the other thing Van and I noticed immediately is just you know Auburn is as you pointed out Auburn is built with a track around it originally, so the seats are further away. Mm-hmm. This was a stadium that was designed with the, the seats are much closer to the um, to the, the sidelines and, and the teams than than Auburn. Did. Yeah, it's it's got more in common in a lot of ways with the Florida Stadium than it does with Jordan Hare. I've always said Jordan Hare looks bigger just because it encompasses more area than most stadiums because we had that track and so our stadium encompasses a football field and then an entire area of a running track around it. Whereas these other stadiums like Arkansas and Florida, the, the, the stands come right down to just close to the sidelines almost. You know, I was saying I, the first time I went to Florida field, I, I could have a conversation with a receiver on the field. And you couldn't do that at Auburn. You're way away yeah. from the sidelines yeah. when you're in the bottom of the stands, you know. Um, we did get to go to – well, all right, I'm, gonna work, I'm working backwards here because we're talking about the stadium. Outside the stadium – and by the way, the thing about the pavilions I wanted to note – it kind of reminded me of like um, like at a baseball stadium or even like how it is in our basketball arena where there's places you can go that only certain people can get into, but you can stand there and eat. There's little tables, umbrellas, you know, and you can go up to the railing and watch the game. Very much like uh, like at baseball stadiums or like in our mm-hmm. basketball arena. I wish that I'd be glad. I, I, there's so many things that I wish they could do with Jordan Air. And and not just for the super super rich people, but like do something like that where like a whole end zone has a, I mean I've said all along we need to just rip out the north end zone and redo it all 
to be, I was going to say like Florida, but honestly, they could do it like this too. And, and you know, you don't, they wouldn't have to add more regular seats, just add a whole new section in the middle where people can go and there's like a restaurant and like a bar or something just within that area, you know. I mean, if they didn't want, I guess they're going to have alcohol, but if they didn't want alcohol all in the stadium, just have guards at each door that led into that section and you could do stuff in there like you're at a sports bar, you know, inside the stadium. I think that would be awesome because that's what they had. They had like a bar and grill on the patio and then you can you can go there and get food and drink and watch the game. I'm just like, man, why don't we have that? You know, I just our, – our stadium is stuck in 1987 and I just – I'm so tired of that. But outside their – yeah, outside their stadium, they had a whole street with food trucks – lined up on both sides, which is something I really only see when I go to like uh, the IndyCar race uh, in this area. And we had our choice of food. When you and I went to the Auburn-Texas A&M game in Auburn last fall, really the only thing we had to eat on campus was Chick-fil-A. Everything was closed. It was even there. It's kind of ironic when Chick-fil-A is the only thing open rather than the only thing closed. (laughs) (laughs) But there you go. But, I mean, you could be like, we were right outside the stadium, a stone's throw from the entrance to the stadium, from the gates, and we had our choice of, they had a Raising Cane's truck, they had a they had two barbecue trucks, they had everything you could think of out there to eat. And so we were, it was like going to the food court. We just all went and got different things, and we're sitting there on the grass and on the steps eating, you know, eating all different things, whatever we wanted, and mixing and matching and all. And that was awesome. So that, that's another thing I wish that Auburn could do is, is get some variety yeah, of food. A, a food truck here or there, but not the number and not the variety that we saw there. And it was concentrated in one area, like you yeah. said. And they had a big screen TV set up playing the noon games. Yes. So people were sitting there eating food or, or drinking a beer, watching the noon games, and everybody just chilling out. It was nice. Yeah, we were we were standing in line to get food and watching the Alabama-Kentucky game on a giant movie theater-sized screen outside. I mean, how is it Arkansas thinks of this stuff and we and Auburn doesn't have it? That's crazy. I don't get it. Um, all right, so that was kind of around the stadium everything. Um, we did on Fridays. You can all rest easy now. We did get to go to Torchy's. And I had worried terribly that I had built it up too much in my mind and that the actual experience was going to be a letdown compared to the reality. And I was afraid that all the people we were taking with us were going to be like, what is this? This is a taco place. What's the big deal? Oh, no. Everybody seemed to love it. And it was just as good this time to me as it was the last, the, the, uh, the other time. So, man, I, I enjoyed Torchies and found out the closest one to me remains uh, Indianapolis and Kansas City, which is depressing. And you say you have one in your area now? Yes. Ah, that's what I say. <laughs> <sighs> I, I told Amy I've got to think of a reason to go to Indianapolis now because that's the closest, I think. It's depressing. Um, all right, so let's look at the ball game. What do you think? Uh, let's do it. That opening, I mean, we just came out. We lost the toss. That ended up working out in our favor because we got the ball first, marched right down the field. That first drive was all Peyton Thorne. Clearly, clearly the Arkansas defensive plan was to stop our running game, and Freeze knew that. And so he really wasn't making much of an effort to use the running backs on the first drive. It was either Thorne. It was, I guess it was RPOs, right? It was Thorne running or Thorne passing almost the entire drive. It rolled right down the field. Mm-hmm. And he really set the tone with his energy and his running on that first drive. And he 
kind of bounced off that guy into the end zone. I think it really did energize the team, and I know it energized him. We oh, saw yeah. in some of the other games. We saw when he had that big run against Georgia, uh, gave him a bunch of confidence, and the same in this game. And I think it really set the tone for the team on the offense. Like we're going to go out here and we're going to, you know, kind of impose our will on these people. And I think Arkansas was a little bit fragile, you know, psychologically. Obviously, they'd only won one SEC game. They hadn't, you know, had a bunch of success, especially at home. And Auburn, you know, rolled down the field, scored, and then we kicked off. And then we, you know, kicked off to them. They went three and out and punted, and then we ran the punt back. Da, da, da. Yes. And then, so then it's fourteen to nothing. And then, as you pointed out, like. They went four or five series without getting a first down. No, they they got. I think they got one. They converted one third down the entire game. That's insane. Yeah, just one. I mean, the the people sitting in front of us, these really nice Arkansas fans. I'm pretty sure after the punt return, that guy was saying, "No, no, no! no I'm devastated. I'm devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. Behind me." This The yeah, best pretty... part was there were some late arriving Arkansas fans who didn't get into our section until it was already like fourteen to nothing. Or twenty one, <laughs> yes. No, well, late arriving, I mean, like five minutes before kickoff, that stadium was about fifty percent full. If if that, if that. And I looked at you and I said, Is this a late arriving crowd or are they just not coming? And you could see there were still some people filtering in, but they were not in a hurry to get to that game. No, they weren't. And, and I think you could – I mean, we, we've all been at SEC stadiums where the energy level and the anticipation is really high and the crowd's fired up. And you could tell there's just energy. Oh, yeah. And, and, the, and the crowd's feeling it. That was This was not that at all. No. Like, again, I went to the inverse of this game a year ago <laughs> when Potato was still our head coach and it was the Arkansas game at home, and they ran all over us, and that Auburn crowd was flat as a pancake in that game because we didn't have any confidence. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any energy and stuff. And so this was a lot like that, except there were, like as you said, a lot of Arkansas fans didn't show up. And the ones that did – we're gone in the second half. Yeah, they came late and they left early. <laughs> and there was like a, and in between was our period of dominance, right? Because we dominated the first quarter and we dominated the third quarter mainly in terms of scoring. And that was when and they were did. there. And there was a period at the after you know after we went up twenty one to nothing. There was a period at the end of the first quarter, the second quarter, when mm-hmm. Auburn were like it was like six to three Auburn in that middle period, right? Yes. And and they were like, oh, maybe we're starting to you know. Angry had to get some momentum, and then the second half started, and it was Boom, right back, back to the races. Back right, that's right, that's right. And um, and they, I was going to mention this. Their their offense, like half of it, was one play late in the fourth quarter when we were playing yes. the Water Boy. Um, yes. That was the thing when we came down and scored so quick. I remember thinking, as good as our defense has been playing, we have a good shot here to hold them, make them punt, and drive again. Well, I was right about everything except drive again because we ran the punt back. Good old Keontae ran the punt back, and so we didn't even need the offense to come out. I mean, by the time the offense came out again, it was 14 to nothing, and and, uh, Arkansas had run, I guess, three plays, uh, six plays. 
and and at that point they like the confidence in their team you could just feel the air coming out of the balloon at that point they, they had yes yeah they had run six plays and we had scored three touchdowns by the time at yes. that point that's crazy that's, right. that's crazy and um yeah and and thorn i mean as you said he he came out and it was clear he was going to be the focus at least early on once things kind of settled in um, it was clear we were going to run the ball because yes. once once we kind of loosened them up a little bit and dispirited them a little bit, then Jarquez kind of took over. But before that, it was Thorn. So what did you make of him and that game plan and how that worked out? I mean, I think we we were aggressive in in using him. We weren't you know, we weren't hesitant. And then also, I think. As you said, Arkansas maybe at the start of the game was like, okay, we're going to first series, we're keying on Jarquez. He's the guy we got to worry about. And we used him as a decoy a little bit. And then it, it kind of pulled their defense apart. Um, and I think, but also I think it helped Thorne psychologically, right? Yes. He built yes. up some confidence without having to take a bunch of risky passes at the beginning of the game. The running kind of got him uh, you know, into the game. Uh, in a way, and so he, then he was, um, you know, fired up and focused and, and able to you know, go out there and play with a lot of confidence the rest of the game. This occurs to me, and I'm just going to say it, I'm not trying to look ahead. I do realize that there's another game coming up, and we're going to address that in a few minutes, but I, this is something that is, is weighing heavily on me, and I want to just get it out there on the record, okay? I feel like right now Auburn is obviously playing much better than we were earlier, right? We're getting some stuff figured out. The competition yes. level helps, but it's not just that. I mean, no, it, the competition has gone down and Auburn has gone up. Yes, both of those things have happened. That's why it was forty-eight to ten and not twenty-three to twenty or whatever we were saying. Um, but Alabama's gotten better too, and I feel like this Auburn team could beat Alabama from the first two or three weeks of the season. Could beat them. Just could just line up and beat them regardless. I feel like this Auburn team in Jordan Hare in a couple of weeks could hang with and potentially upset Alabama, except for a couple of things. Okay. One of them being, I feel like we still are making that costly mistake here and there, especially Thorne. And I feel like what we would have to do to move the ball on Alabama's defense is risky enough that we might shoot ourselves in the foot. In other words, we would have th- we would have to come out. We couldn't come out and have Thor- and have uh, Hunter just pound into the middle of the Alabama line. That wasn't going to work. We would have to come out and have Thorne throw the ball wide, do some slants, do some bubble screen type things, and that's how he turns the ball over. Right? He did it against Vanderbilt. He did it against Arkansas. And I, I just feel like I just worry. I, I feel like if 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 not for that, we have a legit shot on Alabama. But I'm afraid the Alabama game is going to come down to not to do the Alabama preview now. But this is just something that occurs to me really strong at this point after what I've just seen. Right after what so, I've just seen, I feel like that the biggest danger to us is that we shoot ourselves in the foot and hand Alabama cheap points. But your point is a good one that we. And we're going to go back to Arkansas in a second. That we, yeah. in order to move the ball in Alabama, we will have to be more aggressive, and that yes. brings with more risk. More risk, exactly. And that's what worries me because they have a, they don't, they have a defense that can take advantage of things like that even better than Vanderbilt's did. Obviously, <laughs> better than Arkansas <laughs> I did. I was going to say, uh, but well, I still point out though, this Arkansas team, they played with Alabama till the very end. 
Now they played you know, with LSU to the very end. They did, and I kept saying, you know, when people kept telling me, "Why do you think Alabama? Why do you think Auburn's going to beat Arkansas?" I kept saying they couldn't score but three points on Mississippi State. But the, uh, the and, I, and that was what I kind of hung my hat on. I look back now and wish I'd been stronger on Auburn winning. But I felt like it was going to be close. But I wish now that I had I, gone with it. But I, again, I I probably raved on that a little bit because I was worried about them firing the OC and finding some second life kind of like Auburn mm-hmm. did last yeah, season. Yeah. No, that's and, legit. Ma- and thinking maybe they had in the Florida game. But I think the moral from that story of the Florida Arkansas game is this. Florida is really bad. <laughs> that's, that's the lesson that I we... mean, Arkansas broke 20 tackles in that game. That's why they had a bunch of yards and a bunch of points. And the Florida defense is just bad. Yeah. That's the difference. The Auburn defense is very good and the yep. Florida defense is bad. Right. And so I kept thinking when people would ask me why do you think Auburn's going to beat Arkansas, I would say because they could only score 3 points on Mississippi State. And if they could only score 3 points on Mississippi State, how how many are they going to score on us, right? That's that was what I felt like. But turns out, I mean, you know, you get these inconsistencies across a football season, a team that nearly beats Alabama. I mean, cuz South Florida nearly beat Alabama, so who knows, but Anyway, um, what about the running backs? We talked about the quarterback a little bit. Uh, and I do love, by the way, that <clears throat> that Thorne ran over a guy on that first drive, was yelling at him, was yelling at his guys on the sideline. I much prefer cocky Thorne to insecure, oh, woe is me, Thorne. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you asked about the running backs. Yeah, what, what about First of all, that? we got to give some credit to the offensive line because yes. they – they were opening up holes consistently. They were running backs were getting out several yards downfield before anybody touched them or even looked at them. And the the perimeter blocking was good too. I thought the tight ends and the receivers did a better job than they had. But we played all because of the nature of the game where we kind of jumped on with both feet. We played a lot of the running backs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jarquez only had 16 carries. Yeah. But Alston well, had twelve, and Batista I'm going to say Demari got in a lot in the middle of the game, and I and yes. I wanted just to note he ran hard. No, no, mm-hmm. you know, no, nothing bad on him, but it doesn't seem like he's 100 percent yet. I think that's probably reasonable, but I mean, I mean, but you could see there's something there. But he's you're, yeah. right, you're right. I don't think he's 100. He wasn't feeling. breaking away for big gains. He was just putting his nose down and getting some tough inside yards and stuff. Yes, Batista. Had some plays, did okay, and uh, did and we see Cobb, Cobb came in at the end and, and you know got six carries for twenty four yards. So. Okay, I didn't realize that. I, at the end, it was all kind of just a sloppy mess, and we were all waiting to get out of there. So <laughs> it was getting cold, yeah. So. And it was, and they knew we were going to run, and we all, you know, I think it, by that point, probably had the second string offensive line into. Coy Moore wasn't he the one that like dropped three or four passes? No, Camden Brown. Is oh, it was Camden Brown. Yeah, like, it was Camden. It was Camden, we tried to go to Camden Brown several times on this kind of, you know, outside man to man. It was trying to be a back shoulder throw or something like that, and, I, you know, he couldn't get open, and, and we Thorn couldn't complete that pass. So I think mm-hmm. we you got to just take that out of the playbook and ball it up, ball that piece of paper up and throw it away. <laughs> throw so. it away. Yeah, that was not. Well, could it have been that he was just covered really well, like we were covering their receivers really well? I think that was some of it, but I think some of it is like, you know. You want an outside guy that can get open. Like it yeah. feels like I can get open against anybody. You throw the ball and it's a fifty-fifty ball, and I'm gonna go get it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think we tried that three times and it didn't work any of those times. So no. Um, all right. So what about the defense? Um, 
Oh, and I, I did want to mention, by the way, Fairweather had a great game. Had a that touchdown was incredible. He did. He moves well. He moved well without the ball, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he, I think he has good hands. Um, you yeah. know, and I, I think that's one of the reasons that Thorne trusts him so much. But I mean, I think he's also kind of a a tight end that's good at getting open and getting in the right place. Uh, you know, to receive the pass too. So I, yeah, I, he he's reliable. You know, he's not always a big play explosive kind of guy, but. He's dependable, and I think he helps make the offense go. Yeah, I think that in any football team, when you're when they haven't played, when you have a lot of new and different players coming together, there's always that period where you're figuring out who is our go-to, who are our go-to guys, who are the ones that can make things happen, and he's he's certainly one of those. Jarquez is, Thorne can be, and Fairweather I think uh, can be fair. You know, there's a few others, but. They really are the worst. Johnson, I think, would put oh, yeah. him here. And I, and I think when Allstate gets healthy, I put him in that pile, too. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, so the defense. It, it seemed like we kind of had our way with their offensive line. I mean, I thought that was supposed to be their strength under under this coach. Well, he. I mean, he's an offensive line guy. He's an offensive line guru and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But this particular offensive line is bad. And they're one of the worst teams in the SEC at allowing sacks and tackles for loss. And we did not mess around with that stuff. Our defensive line and our linebackers were in the backfield all day long. Oh, yeah. K.J. Jefferson was running for his life. And and it got to a point where he was looking for the pressure, right? He was hesitant. Um, At every play, he was basically like take, you know, one look at a receiver and then he's tucking the ball and going because he didn't have any chance at all. And I think our defense did an amazing job at getting pressure on him, but at the same time containing him for the most part and the running backs. They tried to run the ball, and I think probably some of their fans weren't happy with that. They're down 21 to nothing, and they're still trying to run the ball on us, and it wasn't working. So it it was kind of this self-fulfilling, digging the hole a little deeper for him and not getting out. Um, The only – real play that he made was that kind of one play. It was like a third down where he kind of stepped up in the middle of the pocket, hit it a guy down the middle for about 15 yards. Um, other than that, you know, he didn't have any success at all. Um, and it was really the, you know, the defensive line. Jalen McLeod was awesome. He was in the backfield basically every time they snapped the ball and he was in the game. But a lot of the other defensive linemen were in the backfield too. They were constantly getting push. Uh, you know, pushing the tackles back into the backfield. And so then when even when they ran the ball, there wasn't anywhere for him to go. And the other thing we talked about in the pregame was tackling, right? Yes. Whether it was Jefferson or the running backs, when we get our hands on him, get him on the ground, and we had a great tackling day. And then they tried to throw the ball some, and our coverage was really, really good. I mean, I, they tried James a few times and didn't have any success. Like, he was really steady um, and, and, you know, they broke up a few passes and stuff. So I felt like the defense was really impressive. They created turnovers again. Um, we knew, you know, we knew that's something that's been really helping to fuel the offense. But in this game that, you know, they took the ball away. And the other part I, I think we all kind of forgot about um, in this game was we had a they had fired their offensive coordinator. So they had an offensive coordinator that had coached one game as OC against the wily veteran Ron Roberts, right, yeah. who's coached hundreds and hundreds of games, right? So probably I I suspect Roberts did a few things in terms of alignment or coverage that the the 
an experienced coordinator wasn't ready for, didn't have counters for, and hadn't maybe prepared the team to deal with, and that was part of it too, mm. right? I think you know, Roberts knew, like, if we do this, they won't be ready to respond to it. If we hit line up in this way or run pressures this way, they won't be able to do these. Uh, they won't be able to adjust based on the way they ran their offense against Florida. And so I, I give him a bunch of credit too because with the offense has gotten better as the season went along for Auburn, but the defense has gotten better too. This oh, defense yeah. is better than it was a month ago, and they're playing at a and it wasn't with a bad lot then. Confidence. No, it was solid then. It was it was it was solid, and now it's really good. I think the the defense has gotten better and better. We've gotten guys back and healthy, and that's helped, right? We were for a while we were bad, but we were missing you know, Keys and Simpson and a couple other guys, and and McLeod was banged up, and now those guys are all there and healthy, and I think they ha- have a lot of confidence in what Roberts is doing. And I think it uh, it shows. Like they, when that defense goes out in the field. They expect to to shut the other team down. Well, the the thing that strikes me is it's it's so it feels so good to be on. You know, we our defensive front did to them what like Texas A and M's front did to us. Yes. And it's nice to be on the giving side rather than the receiving side of that for a change. That was very very pleasant. And Amen. and it and it also seemed like yeah they never they could you know they their best play often was and I'd seen this before when I've watched some other games that they played this year is to spread everything out five wide no backs and then if Jefferson doesn't have an obvious pass or just a designed run he just runs up the middle and it's all spread out and yes. when they did that to us more often than not he barely made it to he's no cam newton i mean he's he's kind of built like him and he kind of plays similar but he's nowhere near as quick or fast and so he would take like two steps toward the line of scrimmage and you're thinking oh no he's going to go for 15 yards and on the third step we'd have two guys on him and then the whole yep. rest of the defense would be on him and he wouldn't get back to the line of scrimmage so we did tackle well. We did get to the ball carrier quickly, especially when it was Jefferson. And he just really it, it just really impressed me with how they handled him and handled Rocket. Didn't have a very yeah. good game, didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, their running backs as a group had seventeen yards on eleven carries. And Rocket Seniors was the preseason all SEC back, and I know he's mm-hmm. coming back from injury and stuff, but I don't care. That's amazing. That's incredible. When was the last time we held the, the running backs on any team to 17 yards? I mean, Louisiana Monroe, I, I, we haven't held to 17 yards. Yeah, I was going to say, I couldn't tell you. It is That's a that's a great question. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and wasn't the um, – our guy that played really well on defense, remind me, that we got from like Appalachian State, didn't Jaylen he have Cloud. a didn't he have a big game at, at Appalachian State against was it Arkansas or Texas A and M? No, it was A and M. Okay, That's, he caused two fumbles and had a couple sacks in that game where they beat A and M last year. And he turned around and did that to Arkansas this year, right? And the and, but also was, like he's just he's peaking right now. Yeah. So oh, yeah, because he was hurt. That's, that's a good back. thing. Asante had a big game. A bunch of them did. Mm-hmm. So just a really, really good. And the, all right, we got to talk about the special teams because the special teams were just spectacular in this game. The the punt return unit touchdown the very first time they tried it can't beat and that. We and we talked about it. Scott, you know, gave some good answers about how he looks at the uh, mm-hmm. the alignment of the players coming down the field and the blocks and kind of sets it up. But also he was decisive. He yes. got the ball and went straight up the field 
and then he was like 10 yards up the field and already and half the Arkansas coverage team was behind him before they knew what was happening. You know what Jerry Glanville used to say? I used to call him East West because he, I know, I used to call him Shrine Game because he ran East West. Now I call him Civil War because he runs North South. I love the Shrine Game reference, yeah. So, um, um, the, the kicker, I mean, come on, McPherson. He's McPherson still, was excellent. Don't, don't jinx it, but, you know, come on. It hasn't missed. I'm not gonna, it's not a jinx to say he's really good. Yeah. And as you pointed out, the, the tradition of Auburn kickers is 100% living on in that kid. He is, is outstanding. And I have, I, I have unbelievable confidence in McPherson already. Um, and he hasn't made, like, in my mind, what is a huge pressure kick, but I have nope. all the confidence in the world in him. And well, he set the record, right? He broke the yeah. record for most consecutive. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's the special teams as a whole, right? That's the punt return, the punting. Chapman's really good. McPherson on the on the field goals is really good. Um, the kickoff, kick, kick return coverage. But Batiz had a couple of good returns this year. Mm-hmm. So I just think like overall, the Auburn special teams are an actual advantage. And I um, I want to go back and do some analysis about our starting field position versus other teams. Cause I feel like that special teams thing has got to be helping us. It's got to be helping yeah. where we start on an average basis. Yeah. And we've, to be honest, we've, we've played some teams this year that were very good at punting at pinning you deep and all that. And we've held our own. And then in the, in the weeks that we're not playing teams that are really good at that, we're clearly better. That's right. Um, and that, but you, if you, there's a lot of bad special teams out there and Auburn's are excellent. Yes, absolutely. Uh, recruiting. So tell us about these three three days of uh, three days to glory. So we Auburn got three really good commitments, and it shows like it's not just that the team kind of turned it around after this uh, you know the, the rough stretch of the schedule, but that the recruiting is you know we, we lost a couple of kids as you said, but now the recruiting is kind of coming back strong. So we got the number one JUCO safety in the country committed on Friday. And again, a position where we're going to lose a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, on Sunday, we got a four-star tight end who I believe is a 2025 guy. 25, yeah. yeah. Uh, name, uh, his name's like Ryan Gay, I think. So we and have then, like a top five recruiting class right now for 2025. Yeah, that's right. And then on Saturday, uh, Freeze made some comment about, you know, we need more pass rushers, but I think we're doing something about that. And then immediately, kind of right after that, a player named Jamonta Waller, who's a top 75 recruit and one of the nation's best pass rushers and edge defenders, was a Florida commit flipped from Florida to Auburn. A, he's the second highest rated player we have in the whole class. And that's for 24? 24? Yes. Okay. Why so didn't our rankings go up for 24? I went and checked and we were like 16th or whatever. I'm like, why didn't we go up after that? I don't understand. I think we've lost a couple of guys. I think Burnett oh, yeah. and a couple other guys uh, decommitting yeah, kind of maybe have done some of that. And other teams are getting commits too. Yeah, right. That's true. So it's not a, a. But you know, we still don't have that many players. We only have eighteen commitments. You know, so we're going to get yeah. seven more players, and a lot of the teams ahead of us have. Um, well, let's be honest. We went through that four-game stretch where it was about as bad. People were about as grumbly, bad, poor mouthing as they could be, and out of all that, we lost what two guys? That's right. And, and basically, I'm looking at the list right now. Every team ahead of us, basically, the lowest any, a number of commits anybody has is 20, and most of them have like 25 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Oklahoma, you know, has 28. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's 10 more players that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, if we get more commitments, we're, I think we're definitely in, in a pathway where we could end up in the top 10. And you saw what Friesen them did at signing day at the end of last year. And we have, we haven't talked about it. We'll talk about it later. Some coaching news in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of Florida's disappointing into the season. Those two things could combine to give us more flips and more pulls from other schools. Right, right. And and it's it's worth noting, too, we're not just taking the first person that waves their hand, three, two-star, three-star, like we have in the no. past with some. They're giving these out very selectively to really good players that we need and that we can use. So, No, you're right. They could take more guys right now if they wanted to, but they're saving them for the good people. In other notes, I noted that Auburn has given up a total of four third-down conversions in its last three games, right? During our losing streak, we were having trouble getting off the field on third down. We've given up four third-down conversions. I think we had one in this game. They were like one for 12. Yeah, Arkansas had one third-down conversion. Unbelievable. Uh, Saturday's victory was the second straight in Fayetteville for first-year Auburn coach Hugh Freeze. His Liberty team beat them 21-19 last year. I think it's also – I kind of lost track of this, but hasn't Auburn done pretty well in Fayetteville the last few years? I mean, I know that we lost at home last year, which is the game I'm that got – that. Keep going. The, the game that we lost at home last year – was to Arkansas, was the one that ultimately was the final nail in the potato. It was the last nail in the potato. So, um, but I feel like before that, we were, we've had some good outcomes in Arkansas, but I'm not sure for, I'm not You're correct. Sure. We've won our last three in fate. Uh, before this year, we won three in a row in Fayetteville, so now four in a row in Fayetteville. Wow. So over eight years, they haven't beaten us in Arkansas in eight years. No, not since 15. Oh, the 15 game. Ooh, that, was, that was the one where we dropped every pass, right? Yeah, but it was oh. – uh, <laughs> I think that, this must have been an overtime one because it's 54-46. Did we go to overtime one of those years with them up there? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that was our worst team in a long time, that 15 team. That was the worst of Gus's teams, really. Um Let's see. Auburn has forced at least one turnover in 19 consecutive games, the longest streak since an 18-game streak, streak 2007-2008. Uh, that's the school record. Uh, so we've broken – oh, the um, no, the school record is 33 games from 1997 through 1999. So I'm surprised it's not 1993-94 because that secondary was so good on that 93-94 team mm-hmm. with Brian Robinson and all those guys, you know. Calvin Jackson and everybody. But, that um, is surprising. Yeah, but 97 through 99, thir- uh, 33 straight. So they've got a ways to go to threaten it. But that's 19 is pretty darn good. And I, I couldn't remember. Did we, we got it? So I guess we did get a turnover in this game. I didn't remember it. Oh, yeah, we had a couple of turnovers in this game. Okay. I mean, remember, there was the one play that was like the, is oh. he down? And the Auburn guy comes out of the pot with the ball and runs down the field. Well, that, and we were all like, well, what is going on? Was that the one right before halftime where we got the field goal? That's the one I remember now. We, yes. we They turned it over right before halftime and we got the field goal. We had just kicked a field goal and then we turned around and kicked another field goal. And so we got six points, kind of six That's free right. points there at the end of the half. So. Um, uh, let's see. And then lastly, Jarquez Hunter has moved up to number 20. It's surprising on Auburn's all-time career rushing list with 2,008 yards. 
I, I guess I'm not surprised because, A, we've had a whole lot of good running backs, and, B, he's never really played a whole lot. He was behind Tank. I was going to say, he hasn't had that many carries. Well, he was behind Tank until this year. And then the first half of this year, he hasn't been, he, he was suspended for a couple of games or whatever, right? And then when he did play, he really didn't begin. He was kind of rusty to begin with. So he's really only coming into his own the last several games. Yes. And um, he's still got 2,008 yards and is, and is the top 20. How high up do you think he's going to get before he's done? Is, he, is this his last year or is he going to come back next year? It's a, well, the other thing is he's, he could get to 1,000 yards – with with you know with the bowl game, oh okay. I think he needs to average about ninety yards. Oh, okay. For the three extra games to make it to make a thousand, and so that'd be good. Well, you remember that was how Gus's thing started. Was that Gus's first year? Um, we had um, let's see, no, it was two thousand nine. Yeah, when when Gus was the offensive coordinator. And uh, Luke Curtis Looper was the running back coach, and Curtis Looper. We hadn't had a running back. We had a hundred. We hadn't had a one hundred yard running back in several years. And Looper said, "We're going to get Ben Tate to a thousand yards in two thousand nine, and we did. And then we got um, Dyer in ten, Dyer in eleven, um, Trey Mason in twelve, Trey Mason in thirteen, Cap in fourteen. Um, I forget who ended up being our great back in 15. It wasn't the one we thought it was going to be. It was a backup that ended up being the 15 back. And then Petway in 16 and carry on in 17 and 18. And um, I don't remember who the back was in 19. Oh, um, yeah, I do, but I can't think of his name. Well, I mean, it start, maybe it was Tank. No, 19 was the back with the, the funny name that was older, um, caught a lot of dump yeah. passes and anyway and then on from there um but the yeah so i guess tank in 2021 22 so we had this long streak right that started in 2009 and i don't think it ended until maybe 2020 booby whitlow is booby whitlow to think of yes booby whitlow in 19 yeah and then in 15 it was peyton barber that i told you was that's a backup, who you're trying yeah. to think of yeah, yeah. so we've had a thousand yard we had a thousand yard back for a long stretch there until i guess 20 I think 20 was the first year we didn't have it. So from 2009 through 2019, I think that's right. Uh, anyway, so you want to go into the uh, the New Mexico game now. New Mexico State. Sorry, sorry, New Mexico State. Didn't mean to offend you guys. You have mortally insulted them. Well, all I can say is this. Aggies win it 38-29. They improved to 8-3 and on the year, and they're heading to the CUSA Championship game. Head coach Jerry Kill and his squad living the dream. Oh, fair New Mexico, we love, we love you so. Our hearts with pride will flow. It's New Mexico State Hate Week 2023. There you go. And I'm worried about All that right, last You should be applauding wherever you are in your car or whatever. <laughs> Just take your hands off the wheel. Start clapping. That was my lunch break this afternoon right there. An hour of slaving over a hot computer to, to get you that. But I did not know where that was going. <laughs> it kind of took a few turns, didn't it? I'll, I'll it squeeze did, but I liked it. I'll squeeze it in again before we're done. But, um, but no, that last part I particularly wanted to get in there because um, – 
I do worry a little bit about this being a trap game. I do realize they lost to UMass or something, and I'm, I'm probably being a little paranoid. But I also know this is not an Auburn team that could take anything for granted. we gotta, we got to show up and, and play like we can play if we want to be good, you know, and have good outcomes. So. Even paranoids have enemies, man. So <laughs> I, no, you're right. We, this is exactly the right attitude. This Auburn team is far from good enough to sleepwalk through a semi-competent opponent. That's so right. we have to actually show up and play some focused football to beat this team. And let, me, hey, let, me, let, me, let me point out real quick, by the way, while before we change the subject on this, you heard it's a trap at the end. This finally, all these years, John, I've had it's a trap on the soundboard <laughs> from, the day, from day one, right? That's been a soundboard from day one. But I was never happy that it was not very loud. I don't know if you – I'm sure our old-time, old-school AU Wishbone listeners will back me up when I say it's just never been loud enough. But it was because the audio clip I got it from, the only one available 10 years ago, the levels were really low, and I didn't have a way to fix it. This gave me the chance to go in and get a fresh – you know, just like I, just like I uh, freshened up Kathy's two sound clips that she has and, and got better ones. Well, check out – here's the new It's a Trap. It's a trap. There, see, that's before it was. Let me hold on a second. Before it was more like this. It's a trap. Yeah, and who? That's no good. Now. It's a trap. There you go. There you go. See, so that's that's what I do. I try to make the show better, one little bit at a time. <laughs> no, it's good. It's an important sound clip because it is relevant. This. It is. Carry this on. Is not you know we played some other teams that were really really bad. Right, UMass, mm-hmm. really bad. Okay, um, this team is not good, but they're not nearly that bad. They're semi-confident. Again, they haven't. <laughs> they're eight and three. They have not played a Power Five opponent. They lost to UMass in Week One. They lost to Liberty in Week Three. Liberty beat them thirty-three to seventeen, and they lost to Hawaii. At Hawaii in Week Five, twenty to seventeen, and again we, Hawaii, lost at Vanderbilt. So, but they have since won six games in a row. Right now, that sounds impressive. Except it's Florida International, Sam Houston State, UTEP, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee State, and Western Kentucky. And they got down bad early on Western Kentucky. They had to come back. Yeah, Western Kentucky is not terrible. But that game was 38-29, and like you said, they got damn bad and had to come back, roar back. They're a good offensive team, um, especially for a smaller school team. They're a good offensive team. They're not a great, you know, they're okay defensively, but they, they, some of it is the competition. Um, you know, I think they're, they can't, but they both run and pass the ball well, but they average over seven yards of play every time they snap it. So it's pretty good. Um, I think they are, you know, they have one really good running back, a guy named uh, Diego Pavia, averages about five and a half yards a carry. He's the main, he's the main guy, but they spread the ball around uh, to a number of guys, and then um, he's also that Pavia is also their quarterback. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the main rusher and the main passer for them. So we stop him, we stop the whole team basically. He's solid, you know, in terms of uh, his passing stats, but less than sixty percent. And he has thrown six interceptions this year, so I think we can get some pressure on him and cause them some problems that way. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, they're, again, a good small school team. 
They're scrappy. We know what do we want to do in these kind of games. Don't give them any hope. Don't putz right. around and turn the ball over and fiddle-faddle around. Go in there and take care of business, just like we did last week. Jump on them with both feet. Mm-hmm. And then we can run the ball and, and kind of grind on them and take the game over and you know walk away with it. Don't let them make a few plays and, and get something going and feel like they have some confidence. Just take them out, get the crowd going full blast, and then kind of grind them. That's the, that's the game plan. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to note before I forget that um, I did see that their coach is Jerry Kill, and that's relevant because um, he – was I think Brandon Jacobs' coach at Southern Illinois, uh, right up, right down the road from us here in Carbondale. That is my wife's alma mater. That is where my older daughter went to their other campus in Edwardsville. And he is an interesting coach because he was really good at SIU. And then I think he left. At, he had some health problems. He had like a heart attack in the middle of a game or something. He had. He would like collapse during games. It's like a really good coach, but they had these health problems that just took him out of the games. And then he got hired, I want to say by Minnesota. Yeah, he was the Minnesota coach. And he was there for a while, had health problems again, and now he's at New Mexico State. So he he keeps moving around, not because he's not good, but because something, you know, his his health keeps sabotaging him. So he's a good he's a he's probably a better coach than New Mexico State would normally have, if that makes sense, you know, just because of those circumstances. So we need to don't take this game for granted. Be careful, keep an eye on them, you know. No, I, I agree 100% about your sentiment about him as a coach um, being better than what they could normally attract to keep. And I think he's, you know, that's a tough place to recruit to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the population base is very small. There's not a lot of players in that area. They don't have a bunch of money or facilities. So it is tough. to you're, If you're attracting players to New Mexico State and winning there, you are doing some yeoman's work. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's New Mexico State. I guess really – just don't sleep through it, players, really more than <laughs> than the fans, although I worry the fans might sleep through it too. And um, just take it seriously. Don't take this one for granted. Come out, jump on them, get the win, and then get ready for you-know-what coming up down right. the road a little bit. All right. Um, my Auburn Fun Meter basketball edition was kind of dipping a little bit earlier last week because – we had a winnable game against a good Baylor team, and I and, and we kind of let it go in the second half. We kind of reverted back to last year's team a little bit, which really disappointed me because we were playing so well early. The first three quarters of the game, we were playing really well, and then we kind of turned back into Chuck and Duck. You know, we, we, we turned back into KD runs around, throws it up from half court, and I was like, nah. But when we weren't doing that, we were playing pretty darn well, and I feel like this team has a lot of potential. And then we went ahead and beat um, Southeastern uh, Louisiana. Beat Southeastern Louisiana, a game that was closer than it probably should have been. So, what is your takeaway from the first two games so far, and what else have they accomplished I, here? Again, I think we're very rough early edges of the basketball team. We know that Bruce Pearl and staff are going to kind of refine this team, and they're figuring out what they can do and can't do. Um, Baylor is a very good team with a lot of talented players and an excellent coach. And I thought that was it. The level of play in that game was very high, right? Those were two good teams that were kind of trading blows and playing basketball at a high level yeah. like you would in March or whatever. I, yeah. I thought Auburn played very well in that game. Aiden Holloway is the real deal. He is okay? the deal. He is 
the man, and we are so lucky to have him. And I think he is going to be a guy that absolutely is a joy to watch this year and torments other teams. And I think the other guys we have can can make plays. Again, we played offensively. We played poorly against Southeast Louisiana. We had 86 points. That's true. <laughs> we did not shoot the ball well, and we scored 86. And I think we, we scored yeah. you know that many points in the first two games. We didn't score 86 points in that many games last year. So I think this, though, this team has a lot more firepower. We got some work to do in the defensive end, but my confidence in Bruce Pearl and the staff on being able to mm-hmm. get players to play defense and execute what they're trying to teach them on defense. Because the, the deal is this. We got 10 deep on this team. If you don't get back and play good defense, then you're going to be sitting on the bench yeah. and somebody else can be playing in your spot. So I think that's the – the lesson that they're gonna they, they're gonna execute with this team and um, but offensively we're really fun. I think we have a lot of guys who can score. We can spread teams out, but also I think they want to because we have the depth and because we have two really aggressive young point guards. They push it. You know, I've talked about Holloway, but our other point guard has been the one who's been really pushing the tempo and pushing the ball up the court. Trey, uh, look, not not turning the ball over. Um, and then setting guys up. So that part's exciting. I feel like, you know, Broom is, you know, the steadiest, best player in the team. And he's, I think he hasn't come close to doing what he can do this year. So I feel very good about the, where the basketball team is. And I can't wait to see where it goes. And we got, we got a couple of big games coming up. We sure do. Well, I was going to say the interesting thing to me about this team, besides the fact that they can make shots and that we have more offense this year, is that it's an interesting combination of, Brand new players, players that have been there a little while, and players that have been around for like 15 years. It seems like so you got you got Chris Moore and Jalen Williams, who I'm pretty sure played for Cliff Ellis, <laughs> right? At this point, I'm pretty sure. And then you got like KD, who's been there a while. But then you got Broom, who's been there a year. And then you got like Aiden Holloway and uh, Baker Mazzara, Jimver Jones, Jones, and all right. I mean, it's it's such an interesting uh, like stratification of different eras all combined together and i i uh, and then we got a new recruit too right yeah pettiford well we got a new commitment uh from a a a wing player a four-star wing player and then pettiford our point guard for next year already signed his letter of intent so again another monster point guard coming behind the two that we have already we're going to be fine Mm -hmm. um so i you know i my faith in, in Bruce Pearl and company is absolute on that front. They will get the pl- the good players and attract them to Auburn, and I think they'll they'll bring in high profile recruits, and then they'll go around to the transfer portal and kind of fill in the, the gaps of what they need here or there, and, and this team will be fine going forward. But yeah. the other, I just think this you know last year's team offense was a struggle. It was a grind, a mechanical yes. kind of blah blah to get some points. We had a lot of possessions that were tough to watch. Yeah. Um, and I think th- that's not going to be the case. And the Hard other thing, I'm like, <laughs> free throw shooting's been really good. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. Brooms missed a free throw yet. Um, so I think that's something. But we got to, I mean, we got to get better defense. Threes too. Yeah. Oh, the, we're free throw shoot. Our three point shooting percentage is way up. Um, we got to play defense without fouling, as Sonny likes to say. And we got to rebound a little bit better. I'm, you know, I worry about that a little bit against some teams, but I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, should be a good year. We got Notre Dame. Is this the first time Auburn's played Notre Dame in football or basketball ever? Maybe it seems like it. 
I feel like we played him in basketball at some point in history, but I don't know. If I we don't have. remember. Spe- I, yeah, it's one of those things where theoretically I can imagine it, but I can't specifically remember it. And if I can't, I can't remember, remember a date where it actually happened, yeah. yes. It's never that, happened in the tournament that I remember. Yeah, no, I don't know. No, we've never played them in the tournament. I, I remember everybody we played in the tournament, and they're not one of them. I couldn't just sit down and name you a list of them all, but I know who they were, and they weren't, they weren't Notre Dame. Um, and then, and then after that, we've got either Oklahoma State or St. Bonaventure. So, um, and that's Thursday night at seven Central for Notre Dame, <clears throat> ESPN two, and then I guess Friday afternoon two thirty Central, ESPN two. So, uh, yep, I'll be at the car dealership getting my car fixed Friday afternoon. So I'll just get it up, fired up on the phone or the iPad. That'll be cool. Good deal. Um, John, the Kickstarter is over. People can no longer acquire first time ever the untold story of how Auburn brought undefeated Alabama to Jordan Harris Stadium and beat them. Uh, that is our newest Auburn book. We've been turning out about one every year or every two years lately. And this one's about the 1989 Iron Bowl, and we did a Kickstarter for it. And I'm just going to tell the folks really quickly thank you guys so much for supporting it. It was incredible. We ended up with 101 backers on this project on Kickstarter and 149 copies of the different books requested. Plus, Jared's going to print out 101 prints of his artwork that'll be signed, that'll go out with him. And uh, we did a video that all 101 of those people now have access to, that they can watch where we talked about stuff from the book and stuff around the book and all stuff that didn't fit in the book. So, yeah, that was... That that was that was not what we really saw coming. 149 books, 101 people. That's not really what it's, we. Kind it's of exciting, and we're yeah. very thankful for everybody that supported it, and uh, we want can't wait to get the book out to you and hear what you think about it. This was a project that really started about as we were fin- as we were working on the basketball book. I remember sending you the the email. I said, "Hey, I think I have an idea." for another book because <laughs> we were talking about doing we believe well we were supposed to do we believe too but then we decided to do the basketball book because that was the you know that was the 2022 21 22 season we had to do the basketball book and then we started working on the basketball book and the basketball book was about 80 percent done and i said i think i have an idea for another book let's do the 89 iron bowl and you're like yes solid let's do it and and in. let's do it and I think we really underestimated how many people, in retrospect, in hindsight, right? I see now that this would be a popular topic even more than I thought. But it, it just didn't dawn on me how popular. But people, I mean, it got all the way. Like every day, new people were backing the project. And when it got over 100, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. So, Because now we got to mail out. i got to package up and mail out 101 separate little packages, which I'm like, there goes there goes my early de- December, but we'll see. Um but yeah, it was really, really cool. So I guess um, now is just sending everybody their books. Uh, and John actually signed 150 stickers to go in the books uh, in one night. I did in the hotel room in Arkansas, then I had to ice my hand after that. So. <laughs> but you got it done. You got it done. So And so right now, just a status update. We're just waiting on the books to be delivered to my house. And when they come, I'll bust them all open. And I've got... I've got boxes of, of Amazon shipping containers around here just waiting to fill up and print out the la- labels. So we're ready to roll. In fact, I just sent the surveys out today. 
So if you get an e- if you're one of the backers of this and you get an email from Kickstarter, don't delete it. It's got important information I need to have from you to get your books. Uh, and I had to actually order more because I thought I was ordering too many a couple of weeks ago, and it ended up actually just going over the numbers I ordered for everything, which I'm like, yay, but oh no. <laughs> so we got to hurry up and get more books in, right? So anyway. And by the way, if you don't like the name that you are listed by uh, as a patron at the beginning of the book, like we do every book now, I tried to contact you and you didn't reply, so don't blame me. All right, we got to, we got a few things coming up. We got to thank the patrons first, though. Uh, let me see here. We have our usual cast of characters that went to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com and clicked on the big orange button to become a patron. They include uh, Samuel Salvatore, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crockham. Logan Chilton says... I, I like it. I like having an excuse to play it that doesn't require our offensive coordinator being great. We talked during the game. Was he earning his rank back with that game? Is is is, is Montgomery back to being field marshal yet? What do you think? I don't know. What I I think we need to have maybe we do some poll. Yeah, maybe. we need to hear from the listeners. Has has is Montgomery back to field marshal after Arkansas, or is he still not allowed to have that song played for him? We would like to hear what you have to say. Uh, let's see. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W.D.E. Salmons, Esquire, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. Fan at KSC. If Carol Shelby would have seen the entire Arkansas fan base on Saturday, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, that's exactly right. Mark's killing it. Matt Flowers, uh, Michael Kirshner... Newly minted history PhD candidate Win Carroll. Oh well, I'll give you a uh, congratulations. Please clap. That's right. Um, and I'll give you another one, uh, Win. And I say you. That is. That is. Phil Amthor, as always, reminds us. No! No! This is live from no, the Arkansas banks. I'm telling you, when the next time we do the live video show, we got to get John to do his interpretive uh, performance art for it because it's really. I don't know something. what you're talking about. That's right. He's going to deny everything. Hey, I, um, and 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 there's no there's no small tiger in the studio right now either. So yeah. Um, let's see. We've got Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Brown, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W D Salmon's Esquire. A.K.A. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster for... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! That remains evergreen. Um, Boris is actually here in the studio, so he'll do his what in a minute live. Uh, oh, Boris says, bring back Guess the Game. Boris, did you say that? He's just kind of looking at me funny. Uh, it's coming back. Calibrating my fun meter in the back booth. Jones uh, Barbecue Foot Massage! That's right. Uh, let's see. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, the famine is over. 
The famine is over. Not for why you can, monkey boy. Here we gotta get better at celebrating. That's right, I like it. Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Earl Ricks, Bobby, and... Frosty! Oh yeah, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny. I was doing the Frosty bit in, in Arkansas a bunch, and, and my wife was just looking at me like I was crazy. Um, <laughs> I saw a pigeon open its mouth without making a sound and realized i just witnessed a failed coup attempt. Ah! Oh. <laughs> We've killed... We've hurt John. He's injured him severely. <sighs> Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. I'll go rhythm and blues. Paul Miles, Rich Reimer, Robbie Presley, Rusty Owens. I think we have a new one there. Uh, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Warhammer 6, WD Richie says, um, ah, uh, WD Richie says Bama Hate Week times two freeze soundboard. Freeze. Freeze. Ice freeze. Ice winter five frozen. Ice freeze. Winter ice. Ice freeze. Winter winter. Freeze. Cold. Frosty. Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. I just felt right. It just felt right to go ahead and transition into the into the transfer portal. Just felt right. Weagle, Weagle. Weagle's upstairs. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron. All right, Boris, you're on. It's your live appearance. Boris the Tiger. What? Uh, Boris, did you enjoy? Boris got to go to Arkansas. Did you enjoy your trip to Arkansas? He's just looking at me. I think Boris is just relieved that I didn't leave him in Arkansas this time. John did keep an eye on him and make sure he didn't get left. Constant right. vigilance. That's right. Uh, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Corey Smyer. Uh, David D, David Simpson, Die Bama at Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Uh, let's see. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone. Oh, we're using our made up names for the book when I'm Spider Man. Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one time and anonymous donors. Yeah! Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season. Just know I'm still thinking it. Hey, I, I know quite a few Auburn folks on the social media that are still, uh, you know, they, they have their feelings, and that's 100% their right, and nobody's challenging that, on, at least on our show. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. They got mentioned at dinner Friday night because we had the uh, the green chili dip at um, Queso at, at Torchy's, and they pour a little streak of the hot sauce right down the middle of that so you can avoid it if you want to or you can hit it. And my wife kept getting it, and I'm like, stop dipping it in the orange part. <laughs> She's like, it's really spicy. I'm like, stop dipping it in the hot sauce part. I don't think she saw it, so she didn't realize what she was doing. That was pretty funny. You know, the other thing that I don't think anybody realized about that queso there, not only does it have the hot sauce across the top of it, there's like a lump of guacamole on one side of it. And I was working that part because you guys weren't. I'm like, hey, I'll take the guacamole. That's cool. That's, I love it. I love guacamole. So, are, you, are you a guacamole guy? I am. There you go. Good deal. 
Uh, let's see. We're almost to the end. Alex Wynn, AU Falling Up, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We, uh, we got to get better at celebrating. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory. I believe Jim sent us some interesting stuff, right? We got a, we got a big bit of information from Jim, but I didn't have a chance today to to look at it yet that may be for next week or something if there's something that we want to talk about in it so jim we appreciate it we think we appreciate you we appreciate it and we're going to look at what you sent because it looked just at first pass it looked really interesting really interesting john otsuki joey miller jt jarhead justin bean kenneth brent rain says the barbecue you have failed me for the last time aka auburnette for life mark squire mvp captivating kathy bright you don't have any friends nobody likes you my favorite button on the remote is pause i am tiger please clap uh, New York Tiger says, Go Tigers and War Eagle. Amen. Night, uh, Nick Craig, Paul Bankson, poor Tusk had to watch the whole game while their fans could leave. I have something, I have something for that, about that, in the upcoming segment a little later in the show of things I promise not to tell. So stay tuned. I'm resurrecting that segment from, the, from my, my solo episode for a little later in the show. Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, who I believe just had a wedding anniversary. They are an awesome couple. Spanky, I'm at the bottom of this list because... Scott Wilson! Back for a while you can, monkey boy. That's right. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey. By the way, I, I needed to note, and I, I, I apologize to Auburn Elvis for not noting earlier, he suggested the, uh, the cavalry charge trumpet in the uh, or bugle in the uh, in the uh, hate week this time. That's a good call. It was. It gave me a good base to build around, and that's what I did. So, thank you, thank you, Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brian Albanese, and Brant Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. And let me see now. Um, and remember, we don't do ads, so this is how you can support the show. There was no Formula One race this weekend, but Vegas is coming up next weekend. Did you hear there's also a golf tournament where uh, four of the drivers are going to pair up with four PGA golfers? And they're going to do a Netflix. It's going to be on Netflix. They're going to have a, a golf tournament. It's going to be uh, Lando and um, Signs and Gasly and Albon. So the younger guys, four of the younger guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Las Vegas race. Other than the, you know, obviously sleep when it happens. Exactly. Yes. Uh, let's see the SEC Pick'em contest. I don't have it open right now, but I imagine you do. I have it. How's I'm it ready stand? to go. Uh, our man Bill Miner, one game in front with 80 mm. correct picks. Second place is your favorite soundboard clip. Frosty. Uh, Josh Corbett and Fun Meter Calibration right behind him. Van and I are still tied. We are uh, a few games back at 74 correct picks. And uh, it's co- uh, we're coming down the home stretch. Only a few weeks of SEC football left. So we're going to see can Bill stay ahead? Can anybody catch him? Um, and uh, some of the people behind him are doing better on the tiebreaker. So if it ends up in a tie, they would win. So that, that'll be interesting to see. And I, uh, you know, I feel like I got a chance to, to gain a. Um, 
a game here and a game there. I want to point out somebody has renamed their uh, uh, their their pick set. If I had a dollar for every Mizzou win, I'd have I'd have eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, that's more dollars than I thought they'd have. I'm into that. I think that's pretty good. So good. Yeah, there was not a lot of upsets last week either, so I think that was part of it. But we got some good games coming up, and I'm excited to see what happens. Excited, yeah. There we go. All right, and there's more. I mean, we got the basketball season coming in now. We'll have more fun stuff to get to do. So, coming up, we have listener questions and around the SEC. But first. It is time for our weekly list of miscreants, scofflaws, and ne'er-do-wells that collectively constitute the worst coaches in the world. Well, I had a hard time choosing who would be number three this week because Billy Napier is looking like he is in a downward spiral going nowhere fast. Did we, John, did we dodge the bullet with Billy Napier? Too soon Maybe to tell. too early to tell, but it's not good right now. It doesn't look good. Sam Pittman? I mean, he may be the third worst coach in the world. He's, he's looking bad, looking unhealthy. I don't know if you heard... But there was actually a scandal where some of the players were watching the Polar Express at halftime. It's <laughs> a true statement. What? It was the red shirt players who players who were being red shirted who weren't actively on the field. They were literally watching the Polar Express in the locker room at halftime. Arkansas had more chance of winning the Polar Express than they did of winning that game. So I really can't blame them. I really can't blame them. <laughs> uh, wow. Andy Avalos, fired by Boise State, fired by fired for doing a worse job than was done at the same school by Potatoes. So, you know, there's a lot of of options for the third worst coach in the world, but we'll let that be a three-way tie. Your second worst coach in the world this week is Zach Arnett. I keep wanting to say Will Arnett, but that's a whole other thing. Because the rule is if you get fired during the season, you're supposed to be the worst coach in the world. But uh, Will Arnett (laughs) could not be the worst coach in the world this week because another coach got fired during the season at a much more high-profile job. And I had to point this out because this is so funny. The the guy that does the Around the SEC on YouTube, the, the dude with the beard that's so funny, you know, there's... There's, the, there's our guys that do the SEC shorts, but then there's the guy with the big guy with the beard. Okay. That guy, <laughs> I just went to this one thing about, about that. He said, um, the SEC office says, um, is looking at Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is like, why are you looking at me? And they're like, well, because two job openings just came open in the SEC West. And he's like, oh, really? And the SEC's like, yeah, and one of them has a whole lot of money. And they show Mississippi State, and he's like, huh, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little Mississippi State guy. Yeah, that's not me. So uh, we'll see. Do you think it? Do you think they're gonna? The A and M's gonna call old uh, uh, our boy Lane Kiffin, and if, and, or is it just gonna be another uh, his agent Express special? You're gonna hear his name. I don't think he's their first choice. Oh, who do you think their first choice? 
I mean, I, I you threw the, one of the guys out landing. I think they're going to yeah. go after him. I think they're going to throw the money at him. But I, yeah. he came out tonight and said, I'm not leaving. I'm not angling for more money. I'm staying right here. Um, Unlike guy, every other big coach at Oregon who left as soon as there was yes. another opportunity. Um, you know, the the Duke coach was the Elko, was the defensive coordinator at AM, and they loved him when he was there. And he did a great job. And the team kind of went downhill after he left. Mm. You know, and he was really successful last year. And I think this year started off strong at Duke. So I think he, and he is like, you know, just football coach. So I think mm. so. I think he's a, I think he would be a candidate, but is he high profile enough for them, right? They got to make a run at Kiffin. I just feel like they're going to make a run at well, Kiffin. Well, I mean, I, the other, you know, I think I think Elko's a logical candidate. Um, there's a there's a couple of coaches in Texas that are like big time Texas guys who have all the connections with the high school coaches who could take you know mm-hmm. there's a guy named Jeff Trailer who that, that's a guy who could take the recruiting to like ten in, inside the state. Okay. Um, but you know he doesn't have that. He's not the win the press conference guy in, in out of the state in the same way that Lanning might be. Um, and then there's kind of the crazy, like, I think they'll probably have a conversation with Dion. Wow, Dion, that would be Well, because Dion is also a Texas institution. He yeah. played so long for the Cowboys. He has a lot of connections and fans in Texas. He hooked up to the right recruiting apparatus with the right staff around him could, you know, could definitely do well. There. Yeah, it is true. Well, there's one other thing that I want to ask you about with Jimbo. When the buyout for coach is that high – is there maybe even more incentive to get fired than to have to actually work for the same amount of money? Well, I'm going to say, like, come on, I'm, I'm a human being. If you told me here's $76 million and you, to not work, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, please don't throw me in that briar patch. No right? kidding. So, uh, but it's all, but we, we talked about this when it happened. He has the power then, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what are they, they going to say? Like, no, you must do this. And he's like, well, you have to fire me because I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know? There you go. John, Jimbo Fisher, maybe for the last time for a while. It's been good while it lasted, Jimbo. And by good, I mean bad. You are this week's worst coach in the world. All right, that and now, before we get into this week's listener questions and our usual most difficult, uh, awkward transition, I have a quick things I promise not to tell because my wife actually reminded me I should tell it. We were waiting at Tiger Walk, which was kind of more like a Tiger drive-by. They wouldn't let them stop. Texas A&M won't let wouldn't Texas A&M won't let the fans. Arkansas. Ah, thank you. I was thinking about Texas A&M still. Arkansas won't let the visiting fans up next to the stadium where the players come in. And they won't let the buses stop where we are. So we had to stand there, kind of like at the national championship game in, in Arizona, and just watch the buses drive by, which is really annoying. And there was like an over-officious little pudgy cop out there, stadium, you know, campus cop, to make sure that we knew we were not allowed to get past his little his line in the sand. But they did bring up Tusk, the big gigantic pig. And that was kind of cool to see him. He was just this big, mm-hmm. dark mass of ham and bacon. Bristles. And, and gristles, yeah. And bristles. Bristles and gristles. And um, 
and there was like a it was like a cage it wasn't like a box entirely there were you know you could breathe and you could stick your hand in there if you wanted to and you and i were given the opportunity to go up and get closer to him and we both politely declined i had no interest in getting anywhere near that thing my wife of course goes and pokes around his his little abode and what happened john Tusney's daughter. Tusney's <laughs> daughter. She comes walking up in horror, and her hand is soaking wet. And I'm like, "What is that?" And she says, "He sneezed on me." It's Tusnot. She had giant pig snot all over her hand. I mean, from her wrist to her fingertips, the whole hand was soaking wet. So we had to find her a paper towel and then find her some um, sanitary wipe things. And I mean, and she was worried, like, what? What germs do you get from a pig, you know, because pigs are pretty close to humans, although that thing didn't look human at all. So there is the things I promised not to tell for this week is my wife got pig snot all over her hand. And that was the only victory that that pig had the whole day. Listen, we should all learn lessons from life experiences. And there's a lesson here. Don't mess with wild pigs. No. And don't get too close to tusks. And that was a lesson Robert Baratheon learned in the first Game of Thrones book, and we all should follow his we example. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> and with that... Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what do we got in the mailbag this week? All right, we had a, a pregame question from Jeremy Minton who said, uh, Hello, guys at War Eagle. He emailed this the Saturday morning right before the game. He says, My question is, does Hunter come back if he gets to the 1,000-yard mark on a somewhat down offensive year? If so, would he then be a top three Auburn back since 1990? Love the show, Cooks and Piggies at War Eagle. <laughs> I, I since He'd have 19. to have a pretty great year next year yeah. to be into that bucket, Jeremy. There's so many great running backs. It's He's got a lot of people ahead of him. But, but his question is since 1990. Okay, so no 80s Auburn running backs, mm-hmm. no Bo, no Fullwood, no Cribs, Brooks, anybody. So since 90, I mean, okay, boss, so let's do a quick ranking. Right. Who are your top five Auburn running backs since 1990? Go. Well, let me go chronologically real quick. Bostic, Stephen Davis, uh, Irons, um, skip the whole Terry Bowden era. <laughs> I was going to say Clifton Robinson. <laughs> uh, um, 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 Rudy. Uh, Rudy Johnson, uh, Cadillac, Ronnie Brown. Uh, and there's Irons in 2005. I had him in the wrong place. Uh, and then you know a few at the end of the ni- end of the oh nine oh eight oh nines Ben Tate and then you get into um, Mike Dyer and Fannin and Trey Mason and uh, Cap and Grant and uh, those guys we just talked about. So honestly, I mean, it's I mean in the, since two since nineteen ninety, I mean Cadillac and Ronnie Brown alone, and then Trey Mason. I mean those three to me are are untouchable. Yes, and and then like carry on. Oh gosh, um, yeah. So yes. I, no, I I you know he listen. Uh, if Hunter came back next year and had a gigantic season, we will have revisit this conversation. But he's sure. Not. Oh, I would love it. I would love it too. There's no doubt. I mean, we want him to. I just that's that's a lot. That's a that's a big ask. Yes. Yeah. Agree. All right. Next questions from uh, 
Samuel Salvatore says, hello, guys at War Eagle. Hope you all had a great time at the game. I just wanted to ask if Arkansas writers think we're still the new Missouri after that whipping we put on them in front of their fans. Also, are they still considering Kenny as their super offensive coordinator? I'd be okay with that. Uh, yeah, their offense was not very well coordinated in that game. No, no. I um, Yeah, I... I, I... <laughs> Who who was their offensive coordinator? I mean, I don't even know the guy's name. I never heard it. Oh, the guy they fired was. Um, oh well, it's Enos, right? Yeah, Dan well, Enos was the one they fired, but I don't know who they replaced him with. Ken, it was like Kenny a, Guyton was the guy's name. A guy on he staff a, or he something. He was an Ohio State quarterback about fifteen years ago. So yeah, well, that's no wonder I don't know who he is. Um, all right, here's our next question from friend of the podcast, Jared. This is a good one. He says. <laughs> Question for the wishbone. I've had this gut feeling all year, yes, even during the tough times, that Auburn can win the 2023 Iron Bowl, and I'm feeling it even stronger as the time draws near. Am I crazy? I need you guys to either join me on this ledge of optimism (laughs) or talk me down from it. It's been hanging out there all season, but in different ways because – Earlier in the season, it was hanging there like a ripe fruit because Alabama was playing so poorly yes. relative to their potential. Yes. And we thought, and then they got better, but so did we. So the question is now, were we? how much better are they and on what scale and how much better are we and can we avoid making mistakes that hand them the game even? I Because I right now, I can imagine that game, my number one probably it's going to happen for that game is that we play them straight up and are in the game for much of the game but in the end we make the critical mistakes that cost us the game because as you said we've got to take more risks than they do mm-hmm. that's the key i think unfortunately but i sure hope i'm wrong i feel you jared but i'm saving my thoughts till next week there you go good deal uh next question is from bill miners says guys his subject line is, is most fun game. And he says, guys, it's seemingly been a while since I've had that much fun watching Auburn play a game, maybe since 2020 LSU. So my simple question is, over the years, what was the most fun game you've ever seen Auburn play in person? In person. 93 and 94 Florida. I was at both of those, and they were absolutely insane uh, in person. I mean the the 2010 national championship game was was pretty pretty no, freaking but it, awesome. Like, but that was there was some stress there, and I, so yeah. part of the fun thing is like it was just fun. It wasn't yeah. like an absolute nail biter, pull your hair out kind of game. Yeah. I my answer is the the Honky Sack Brody game. Like oh, I that think was, that was the maybe the most fun I've ever had in person in an Auburn game, just because I love defense and we absolutely wiped them out. Oh, I, that one's on YouTube, and I went back the other day and watched um, the whole game, like fast forwarding to, to play to play to play, and it was just so funny hearing the announcers. It might have been, uh, you know, what's it his name? It was the CBS crew. I think. The two thirty, yeah, yeah. Um, it, so funny to hear them saying, you know, oh, and there's a sack. Oh, there's a sack again, and there's another sack. <laughs> it was just, I mean. We absolutely smothered them for most of that game. It was absolutely insane. I, I just still can't can't believe it. So, yeah. Hey, I think those are that's it. but that's a good question. I like that. I do too. Uh, the next question is from uh, Josh Corbett. His email is titled Arkansas Thoughts. He says, John Avian, 
War Eagle, and I hope you and your families had a great time in Arkansas. A couple of observations from the game. Thorne is now playing with a certain swagger. Yeah. After long runs and lowering his shoulder on defender, he gives them a look like, I'm here all day. Yes, he seems he to did. be having fun and not looking over his shoulder mm-hmm. as to when he might get pulled. Thorne, to me, has a Razor Ramon look and attitude now. If you don't know who that is, just Google it and it'll click. My question to you all this week is, can this team do the Lord's work in Jordan Hare against a Bama team that is seemingly getting its act together at the end of the season as well? War Eagle, uh, as always, can't wait to read the book. Oh, Ask it the same it. question as Jared. Yeah. It was what everybody's thinking about now. And I don't, I just want to remind you that um, we are playing a game Saturday and. It's a trap. That's right. So. That's right. That's um, right. I, we're going to come back to that. Focus, 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 focus. Focus. Uh, our last question is from Logan Chilton, who says, uh, hope you all had a great trip. I want to congratulate John on calling the special teams touchdown play this week. He did. It, in light of that, I have two questions. First, John, do you mind sending me next week's Powerball numbers? Ah. And second, how long after you scored did you look for flags before celebrating? Yes. Oh, zero time. I was looking for flags the whole <laughs> you know, everybody was jumping up and down, and I'm still looking at the field for flags. So, Amen to that. on any special teams run, uh, I'm looking for flags because mm, I it's the default. Absolutely, so. it is. It is. You that is more likely than not. It's always going to be. Yes, I agree, hundred percent. That's it. All right. So I guess time to hop in the old automobile. This is the next one I got to fix up because it's driven me crazy for all these Let's years. Let's take a trip around the. Excuse me, Mira. It's always driven me crazy that it takes so long for that to get started when I click the button. Uh, all right, so week 11, Alabama. I mean, I was just, we were we were walking around eating fine, fine food, and I kept looking up and going, come on, Kentucky. Come on, Kentucky. Come on. Come on, man. That's not their game. They, no. They're the best of the lower-level teams in the SEC, and that is their ceiling. Yeah, and that was where they were stuck on the ceiling. Uh, South Carolina, what the heck? I mean, just when I'm feeling good about beating Vanderbilt, South Carolina goes and hands them a 47-6. to That's what we should have done to Vandy, but we kind of limited ourselves. We made as many mistakes as we made good plays, right? That's right. And that was the big difference in the Arkansas game. Yes. We, we did not make those mistakes. We didn't have the drops and the lack of execution. Oh, exactly. Um Missouri beat Tennessee 36 to 7. I I did on on Twitter yesterday or today I forget. I called it beat down Saturday because there was not a close game in the entire bunch. I mean, Ole Miss hung with Georgia briefly, but then, you know, by the second half. And so it was beat down Saturday. Every single game was just a total lopsided thing. Um but uh is Missouri that good? Missouri is the third best SEC team. Good gosh. Even better than th- Ole Miss. And I think they're better than Ole Miss, and I think they're in line for a, a BCS bowl. Get I think it's going to happen. Out. But, I I mean, so this is where we're going to get into a situation where it's going to be like Missouri matched up against Ohio State or, you know, you know, Oregon or somebody, and, and uh, it's going to be a problem for them, so. A Missouri team that last year handed us a win in a game we did everything we could to lose. That's incredible. Um, okay, Auburn, Arkansas, we talked about. Georgia beat Ole Miss. We were watching that game. It was like 14-14, and then 
Georgia outscored Ole Miss like forty to three. I you know I took a bite of my pizza. I looked up. It's twenty-one to fourteen. I take another bite. I look up. It's twenty-eight to fourteen. I'm just like, oh come on, Ole Miss. I, I miss it. So Georgia is peaking, right? We yeah. played Georgia at exactly the right time to have a chance at them. If we played them now, it would look like this. Yes, they are absolutely on the way up. Their offense is is much better than it was when we played them early in the season. So great. Um, oh. <laughs> So you remember the 2016 Auburn LSU game was the loser coach leaves town, right? Texas A&M, Mississippi State, 51 to 10. Mississippi State lost 51 to 10. They fired their coach. Texas A&M won 51 to 10. What'd they do, John? Fired their coach. (laughs) (laughs) He covered the spread. Oh my gosh. Jimbo, we hardly knew you, and you're already gone. And we called this, right? I mean, when they hired him, we said, oh, they're going to fire him. It's not going not gonna to win anything. It's not going to go well. And when they hired Petrino, we said it's, it was just the, it was down to minutes, not years, minutes. The only thing that surprised me is that, is that, is that uh, Petrino is not the interim head coach right now. Nobody's that dumb. Come on. Well, I, they hired him. I don't know. Uh, LSU beat Florida 52 to 35 in a game where LSU and their quarterback JT Daniels just went off. LSU had 700 yards of offense in this game. JT Daniels was 600 of it. I, JT Daniels should win the Heisman, and that's my view of the world. Good gosh. Even over Bo Nix. Yes. I, I think Nix has a lot of guys around him. He has a great running back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think J, JT Daniels is doing it all by himself. He is a one person offense. Even more than Cam Newton was. Cam had a lot of people. I know. I mean, he has better receivers than Cam Newton. That's for sure. But he is is an absolute difference maker. All right. And finally, uh, coming up in week 12, Georgia-Tennessee, 230 CBS. Florida at Missouri, 630 ESPN. Kentucky at South Carolina, 630 SEC Network. And then a bunch of, you know, not not much of interest Fighting Southern against... Yeah, good old fighting. So the Southern fighting. How dare southern you, sir? Fighting. The Southern <laughs> fighting. The fighting I'm Southern so sounds rivalry. good. <laughs> the ri- yes. Oh, rivalry week. The Southern fighting takes on the fighting Southern. Look out! That's a big That's one, it. boy. That's a big one. So Georgia, Tennessee. Georgia's going to kill him. Yes, I think so. It's in any sane world. In any that. sane world. Yes. Uh, Florida, Missouri. Missouri should win, but. Florida still has it. Yeah, I, I think this is Missouri's feeling it. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna take care of business. Take I think Florida's defense is bad. Yeah. Oh, they are. They are. And then Kentucky, South Carolina. Is South Carolina on the way up after they dispatch Vanderbilt, or is that just an illusion? And Kentucky's gonna hammer them pretty good. I think. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, South Carolina discovered some late season magic last year. Can they do they it did. again? Can they have a little bit of spark? So I'd be interested to see what happens there. Chicken power. All right, all right. And then your non-conference game of the week to watch. Uh, Washington at Oregon State is the 7.30 Eastern on ABC. Again, I, Washington's offense is really good, and that's a tough place to play. The yeah. former Clemson quarterback, uh, DJ Ingle, is, is at uh, Oregon State, and they have, they have a really good team. I think they're 8-3. and three. Uh, It's going to be a tough game for Washington. I, would, I think this would be fun. They haven't lost yet, though, and they're on the track to the playoffs if everything holds holds up. They won right, their, their, their playoff the game was Oregon. Game, 
That's right. But this is the kind of tough conference road, road game late in the year. Maybe the weather's bad or whatever when they, they're going to have to make it through if they want to make that playoff. That's it. And um, I, this has kind of become a weekly unofficial thing for me, but my game to go back and watch on YouTube is Oregon-USC from last weekend, from Saturday. Um, watch Bo Nix just go off on USC's pitiful defense and watch USC's one-man quarterback. He's kind of, they're kind of LSU West. Uh, keeping them in that game as long as he did was pretty uh, – Williams, right? Keeping them in yep. that game as long as he could. That's a fun. That's a fun rewatch. That's a fun twenty-five minute highlight package on on oh, YouTube. Yeah. So, all right, and finally, we got a game Saturday, John, a big game. And you know what? I want all of our fans to focus. I don't want to hear a bunch of stuff about Alabama. I want you to focus on the important thing, and it's hating New Mexico State. Aggies win it 38-29. They improve to 8-3 on the year, and they're heading to the CUSA Championship game. Head coach Jerry Kill and his squad living the living dream. Living the dream. Oh, fair New Mexico, we love, we love you so. It's New Mexico State Hate Week 2023. (laughs) It's a trap! There it is. There you go. You are an artist, sir. (laughs) Some work in oils. (laughs) <laughs> Some in pastels. I work in Howard Dean sound clips <laughs> and explosions. All right, we got to get yeah, out of here. This has been a long show, but it was well worth it, I think. Uh, I think our time is well more than up, All right, and we thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.